I still think doctor's visits are going to exist. But to your point, Scott, everything's changing. So the doctors and the offices and the communities and internet providers, everyone needs to adjust to make it easier for all of us to get the care we deserve. Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard, and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast, like the CSRHA, brings together leaders in rural healthcare with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what is happening across today's rural health ecosystem. You'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This is Rural Health. I am hosting today alongside my colleague, Michelle. And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the season one of This is Rural Health podcast and kind of bring things into perspective of the things that we've covered over the last several months. How's it going, Michelle? Welcome. Hello. Yes, the last eight episodes have been really eye-opening for those of us who are familiar with rural parts of California and those who aren't. I mean, as a California native, I did know that we are the fifth largest economy in the world. Did you know, did our listeners know that one of every eight residents in the United States live in California? that we are the most populous state in the nation. So we're big when you talk about scale. But, you know, a lot of our populations are kind of gathered into like four main areas, right? It's like, you know, Southern California, LA, San Diego, and then uh, where you are, right? And then where I am, the San Jose, San Francisco area. Those are like the big metro areas. But there's like 900,000 people spread out in the rural sections of the state. And our rural is not concentrated, right? We've got 58 counties, I think, across the state and scatterings of rural all across from northern to southern. Absolutely. And what most people don't even realize is there are rural parts probably in your backyard. I mean, in Los Angeles County, about almost an hour from anywhere from downtown or Beverly Hills, an hour away is a place called Lake Los Angeles in the Antelope Valley. And that's extremely rural. But you don't know about it because you can spend 10 miles going somewhere and it takes an hour. So why would you drive 50 miles to go an hour? So we have a lot of space and I'm glad these past eight episodes have brought a lot of attention to the rural parts of California. Yeah. So I think what we're going to do, right, we're going to look back at these eight episodes over the last four months and kind of pull out some of the salient points and themes that we've uh, learned from talking to our different guests. Yes. So join us. We're going to have some highlights. And Scott and I are going to recap some of the main points. And perhaps you'll even want to click back and listen to some of the past episodes in your free time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump on in. So back in March, and we kind of kicked off This Is Rural Health with a pair of episodes that were focused on kind of community engagement and advocacy. And our first episode, our first ever guest was Dr. Raul Ayala at Adventist Health. And we wanted to interview Dr. Ayala because he won the 2020 Community Star Award from the National Organization of State Offices of Rural Health. 
And he is the medical director of over 50 rural health clinics in Central California. So I sat down with Heather Hawkins, who's our board president, and we talked to Dr. Ayala about some of the strategies that he was using to help improve the quality of healthcare within his system in Adventist Health and looked at some of the challenges that they faced heading into the COVID-19 pandemic. For those of you who work in healthcare, you know that a lot of clinics just completely stopped operating and a lot of hospitals had all of their elective surgeries turned off. You know, they weren't operating at full capacity. So they had to look for new and interesting ways to reach out to patients. And that also includes how do you communicate with patients? If you're in a deeply rural area, you probably don't have internet or broadband. So besides having to drive a long distance, how are you even going to communicate? And when clinics and hospitals are pivoting to telehealth, you still can't communicate. So it was really eye-opening to learn about the trials and tribulations and how everyone adjusts being in a rural health environment. Right. And one of the things I really appreciated, and this kind of informed my thinking, you know, I don't, I'm not a direct care provider. I work kind of behind the scenes on the accreditation and regulatory side of rural health. But, you know, Dr. Ayala is in the thick of it. And this really informed my point of view going forward for the rest of the year. He said, you know, the other healthcare issues didn't stop. Big people still have heart disease. They still have diabetes. All of these other things that are going on related to their health didn't go away simply because there was a more pressing issue with the pandemic. And so we still needed to manage all of those patients' treatments and medications. Like if you had cancer before the pandemic, you still had cancer in the pandemic. You still needed to get you know that regular access to care. And so I really appreciated that point of view and that perspective, because I know we all went all hands on deck for COVID. But if you're a healthcare provider, there's still this whole other aspect of healthcare that you needed to deal with. Absolutely. And and how do these healthcare providers be advocates for their services, communicate the safety that it's still okay to get treatments and not prevent them, what the risks are for putting off treatments, and then the safety as far as how do you navigate a virus like COVID-19 that is so new to all of us. Yeah, yeah. And definitely with Dr. Ayala, one of the things he was really pushing was getting involved in your community, right? Nobody is too small to get involved. And I liked that we saw kind of this unprecedented push for rural health advocacy from providers, from people in the community, and it actually made its way up into the the highest halls of government. So it was really great, I think, in episode two, to sit down with Josh Jorgensen with the National Rural Health Association and talk about advocacy and the role that all of us can play, even when we're not dealing with the pandemic, but just in everyday advocacy. Um, I know that Josh really helped, for me at least, to demystify some of the aspects of being an advocate. And when we were talking kind of before the show, Michelle, you'd said how, you know, it starts at that local level. Absolutely. I mean, on the local level, whether you're from a large city or a small town, it's about the grassroots and being familiar. You're the biggest expert of your surroundings. And then how do you trickle that information up and with what resources? I mean, we are a big state. And when you go to Sacramento, which the two of us have had the pleasure of doing, It is an extremely intimidating situation. And to be able to have your messaging and know who your representatives are, there's a lot of steps in between being a grassroots advocate and going to Sacramento. 
So that episode was really eye-opening as to the tools and actions steps we can all take to become an advocate and work advocacy for what's important for our communities. Yeah, and so much. I think Josh says, you know, kind of that value of establishing a relationship, right? Which, you know, you got to get in at that ground level, make yourself known, and then have that relationship with your representative, whether they are city council or county level or state level, federal level, get that relationship started. And then you can kind of build on it going forward with, you know, over the years. And you may even find yourself being a point of contact for that office. They may reach out to you because they know, hey, we've got an expert and an ally who's actually in the thick of it. Let's talk to them about what they think. Right. And you may even end up replacing them as an elected official as well. So also as someone who's visited many rural parts of the state, I can tell you that it's eye-opening, but the biggest lesson for me was to listen and to look around because we have a lot of different environments and a lot of different things in our state. So if you listen to the locals, you'll have a better perspective as opposed to just reading something in a paper or on the internet. Like to hear it from the locals is the best way to get any information. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and shifting gears kind of off of what you were saying, though, Michelle, as we go into our April episodes, our podcast episodes there, we met with Jim Suver, who's the CEO of Ridgecrest Regional Hospital, and Yamalet Vayadolid of Golden Valley Health Center. And they are both boots on the ground, healthcare in the thick of it. And I know that Jim is a member of our board, but our listeners, if they attended our conference in 2019 and in 2020, you may have heard Jim talk about the devastating earthquake that Ridgecrest experienced. So he has some experience in crisis management, but I like how he really contrasted the earthquake emergency versus the pandemic emergency, because although they're still really big and profound and life-changing, they're very different types of emergencies. Absolutely. One, you can use your roads, but there's nowhere to go. And the other one, you have no roads. And one of the things about California is between the earthquakes and the fires and when we have rain, when we actually get it, the flooding, then you add a pandemic on top of this. So you can only prepare as much as you can prepare until something, back to your word, unprecedented happens where you have to adjust and figure it out while you're still doing your regular work. Yeah, that's one of the things that we've seen. It's no longer unprecedented, right? This is precedented. We now have pandemic. We can add that to our toolkit. If you work in a rural health clinic, you've got your emergency preparedness plan. And number 12 now on there is pandemic. And the way that Jim and his team at Ridgecrest handled it, you know, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to them was because they had to pivot through this whole process of first dealing with sick individuals and then shifting to now we're in vaccine deployment and how do we get people to come in? How do we get them the information that they need to make good choices? So they started kind of hitting all of the different elements of they're pushing something on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, Instagram, whatever, to get that message out in order to reach patients. And the messages have to differ based on age and language and social media network. And it's a, it's a lot of work. So internally, I can only imagine the types of conversations the team, all of the teams had as far as who can we target where and then tracking it. And then there were a lot of hurdles for 
clinics and hospitals to even get the vaccines and implementing them. And while California does have a higher vaccination rate than other states, we are larger. And as of this very moment in mid-July, some of the counties, including Los Angeles, are masking up again. So just because numbers are better doesn't mean the communication and the work stops. Yeah, I think that we've got to be in this for the long haul. But your points about messaging in episode four with Yamalet, you know, she talked about some of the strategies that they're using on messaging. I learned a new word, promotora. That was a fascinating thing for me to learn. These community advocates, not necessarily health advocates, but community advocates who can really be that liaison between the big voice of authority provider and they're kind of interpreting that message and getting it out to people who may be distrustful of a hospital or a health center as community members. I think she talked about she went to pick up her lunch. I think the day we were doing the podcast, she said, oh yeah, we went to get our lunch and we went into the market to get sandwiches or something. And the person there recognized her and said, hey, if you want to use our bulletin board here, our community bulletin board to share your information about vaccines, feel free, right? And that's a whole different social media, right? That's that in-person element that you only get if you're involved in your community. Right. That goes back to the grassroots and the trust factor and just being a local advocate and how that trickles up. While people love saying Twitter and Facebook, it does, you know, we still need the bulletin boards in our world because that is a very trustful resource that we should take advantage of. Yeah, for sure. Facts are facts, but they're kind of useless if you can't communicate them effectively to the target audience. And then recognizing you don't have a monolith. The California is definitely not the same everywhere. Rural Californians are even more not the same everywhere. Rural Northern California and rural Central California and rural Southern California are all different people. But knowing who you're trying to reach and how to reach them, so critical. And having the teams not take the one size fits all approach is really the only way to go. Absolutely. So shifting gears into our fifth and sixth episodes, we started to look at the role that telehealth is playing in rural California, which telehealth got blew up even more important in the wake of the pandemic. Yes. I mean, personally, in those last year and a half, I've had my very first telehealth experience. So while it has been around for a while, it has literally blown up. So now everyone knows what telehealth means. Yeah. And I know in a previous episode with Yamalet, we talked about You know, we have issues with like access to good broadband and all that. So even if you have the telehealth available from your provider, it might be hard to get that technology down. But in this episode, we're assuming the technology works. You know, the folks from Western University, Jeff, did a fantastic panel discussion with five people. And a lot of what they talked about was the value of being good at telehealth, right? You're not hiding behind a clipboard or a screen. You're one-on-one with a patient with the camera. I mean, how your experience, right? You have had a telehealth visit. Right. And I didn't have to get in the car. I didn't have to wait in a waiting room. Luckily, my internet did work, but your doctor's supposed to know what they learned in medical school and all health providers who were shoved to the front of the world this past year and a half. But yes, did, can I hear everything the doctor says? Can they read my cues if perhaps I have more questions but haven't asked? It's how us civilians are trying to figure out the Zoom world. 
how does that relate to your medical care with doctors and these visits? Yeah. And there's training that they can get on how to use the software, hardware side of things. And I think, great, you've read through the quick reference guide, you figured out how Zoom works or how your telehealth platform works. But I know for me, that physician-patient relationship is really critical. And do I feel comfortable sharing all this information when I can't see who else is in the room, who's off camera, or is my doctor paying attention to me or whatever. So I think, you know, they talk about maybe that traditional model of healthcare is changing, but also telehealth is here to stay. So now we've got to improve it. And the improving doesn't necessarily come from a higher quality camera or a higher quality microphone but it's on the actual practice. Absolutely. And then now it, that insurance companies really do seem to acknowledge telehealth, which they didn't previously. How will that change moving forward so your provider can get paid? But also what types of visits should and should not be pushed to telehealth, right? Because at a certain point, you'll have to have your temperature taken or your blood pressure taken, and you may not have those tools at home. So I still think doctor's visits are going to exist. But to your point, Scott, everything's changing. So the doctors and the offices and the communities and internet providers, everyone needs to adjust to make it easier for all of us to get the care we deserve. Yeah. You know, as again, as we're speaking in mid-July 2021, the California budget does include broadband as one of its big points. The planks of the platform is including that increased access to broadband. Our phones are getting more advanced. And I know that there is going to have that increased access. We as patients need to be more comfortable with some element of telehealth. You know, in our sixth episode with Jason Close from Dignity Health. I think one of the things that he talked about was kind of that benefit from letting patients connect with their healthcare provider from anywhere, from their home, or even, I think he says, from the car on the side of the road, like being able to have that connection if you need it. It's true. It's having that access, not only access to connect, but access to your provider. And what I think a lot of people don't think about is you have to think about that security, right? Is this an encrypted connection with your doctor? Just like your medical records you hope are safe and locked up at your doctor's office, we want to make sure, and your provider should, that this connection via telehealth is also secure. Yeah. And I think, you know, who are we connecting with? Being in a rural area, there might not be a specialist nearby. I know one of the things that we've been looking at in the last couple of years in my day job at Adventist Health is like the RetinaView platform, right? So it's able to help diagnose diabetic retinopathy. You don't have to be an ophthalmologist to use it. So if a patient is able to get into the clinic, then a doctor who's been trained on it can administer, take the picture of your eyeball and send it off to a specialist. And I think, you know, one of the things that they're doing with Common Spirit that Jason talked about was making more services like that accessible so that we can reach out to the specialist. So even if you're making an in-person connection with your primary care physician, getting that connection to a specialist via telehealth might be a way to kind of move things forward and make sure all of our patients are taken care of, not just those who have the ability to take a day off or drive it out to the doctor or have childcare for that day. Absolutely. And I would think that if my doctor recommended a specialist and a specialist I didn't have to physically visit, that would also 
give me more confidence in everything. And as big as the world is, that just shows us how close we are and how technology can help us. And if that can help someone be diagnosed in a day as opposed to three months, then that's good. Yeah, get diagnosed in stage one of whatever instead of stage three. Absolutely. So then as we move into our last month in June, we focused on oral health, which is a big issue in rural health care. And again, with California, I think this, they called out that you know something like one in seven dentists in the United States is a member of the California Dental Association. Yes. Again, that shows how big our state is. So we got one in eight people and one in seven dentists. Yes. That's wild. And you know, with having such a large dental population, you would think that accordingly, dental is completely supported and embraced by Medicare. And nope, not true. Not true at all, unfortunately. And there's even more fear to go to a dentist because you don't necessarily want people in your mouth. And then how much is that going to cost if I have no coverage? So it's a very complicated time. And you add COVID with you have aerosol droplets and with a dentist and a hygienist, they are literally in your face. So you can't wear a mask while you're at the dentist. Is that what you're saying? No, you can't. Although the staff is definitely layered up. And our two guests from the California Dental Association talked a lot about whether it was getting funding for PPE for the dentist and advocating that they were toward the top of the list with medical personnel to get vaccines, as well as the disparities in coverage and just being able to access dental care. Because similar to a mole or something that is untreated that could lead to cancer, if you have an infection or something in your mouth that is not treated, it could lead to other things. Right. Yeah. So we had Zachary Corbo and Mary McCune from the California Dental Association. And I really liked the the way they talk. And you know, I almost feel like in June we started going back full circle. Or maybe this is just the prevailing theme in rural health is that it's comprehensive. You've got medical you've got dental, you've got mental. We need them all. They're all legs on a tripod or whatever that are holding up our healthcare system. Right. It's the whole body. So we need to be able to provide resources and coverage for everyone's whole body. So I learned the word caries, which for the rest of us means cavities. And you know the value of getting those treated, as you said early on, that's hard to do in a telehealth visit. I know I had a dental appointment scheduled for late March 2020, which obviously got rescheduled. But since then, I've had my whole family in two full rounds. And I think we're, our third round in every six months is set to be just in a couple of weeks in August. You know, the CDA did such a fantastic job, I think, advocating for dental offices to be able to reopen and reopen safely. Yes. And I have to say the dental community is is one of the safest. I mean, they are, as I said previously, in your mouth and in your face. So the amount of preparation the entire office does to layer up and to have air filters and everything, it's, it's literally one of the safest medical facilities you can visit. Well, in our Dear CSRHA president, Dr. Heather Hawkins, you know, she was a practicing dentist a number of years ago, and she's still very heavily involved in dental. And so I'm glad that we were able to bring dental 
conversation in to get that because I think that is an overlooked aspect of rural health. And then our guest for our very last episode of season one, our eighth episode of season one, Andrea Height with Henry Schein, you know, she had a lot of really great points to make again about that whole body care, but oral health being a key component of it. Absolutely. And and she also talked about billing and advocacy and really just brought everything full circle because it's not just about finding a dentist or having a dentist in your community, but then what, right? It's an entire cycle. And as the CDA shared, there's now an office of oral health and a lot of progress there. So there has been progress, but we still have a ways to go. Yeah. And maybe maybe in 2021, maybe in 2022, our California State Rural Health Association members can help rally behind some of our healthcare providers and push for on some of these advocacy issues, get dental and mental health included in our Medi-Cal benefits, in Medicare benefits, so that patients have a much easier time to access all these services. You know, disparities in rural communities, that's a solvable problem, uh, as I think many of our guests over the last four months have talked about. We just have to identify them. Right. And then once you identify them, being able to move forward. And while we continue to deal with COVID-19 and everything else that's happening in California, in the United States, and around the world, we need to be able to do more than one thing at a time. So how do we get that coverage, get that money, get the advocacy, get the awareness while still doing our day jobs? Yeah, that's the goal of the CSRHA, right? We're going to advocate on your behalf, We're going to collaborate with our community leaders, our industry leaders, our healthcare providers, and we are going to provide as much education and resources as we can to all of our members. Michelle, I think that kind of wraps it up for season one. Wow. Just going through all of it, it it was great. I think for our inaugural season, we had a very comprehensive list of topics and guests, and I know I personally learned a lot. It was very fun. It was for me, I've listened to podcasts, getting to participate in one, getting to host some and talk to a wide range of people, you know, outside of my normal rural health bubble. It was just fantastic. I use the word fantastic a lot, but that's because it was. So thank you to everyone who has stuck with us over the last nine episodes. Please share this with other people who might be interested in rural health. You know, we are always looking to add more voices from rural health. If you have an idea of someone that you would like to be on a podcast in season two, which will kick off in August, please reach out. We would love to hear from you and we hope to see and hear from more of you at our conference in November. So stay tuned and thanks everybody. Take care. This is Rural Health is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at csrha.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at csrha.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at CSRHA Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association. This is Rural Health is copyright 2021 by the California State Rural Health Association. To find out more about the CSRHA, visit us at csrha.org.